The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome new listeners joining us on radio stations in all 50 states, as well as our men and women in uniform who are tuning in over the Internet Thank you for your emails, your letters, your cards, and for making us part of your Newsweek. In just a few moments, former co-founder and CEO of AOL and the man called the Washington Tech Whisperer, Mr. Steve Case, will be joining the program to talk about the critical role startups play in the U.S. economy and the importance of spreading capital investments in tech startups throughout our nation. Not surprisingly, most venture investments continue to be concentrated in just three locations, California's Silicon Valley, Boston, and New York. But what may come as a surprise are the actual numbers, the actual figures. Those three locations gobble up 75% of all venture capital funding for tech startups, leaving roughly 25% for the entire rest of the country, including investment-starved cities like Detroit and Cleveland, Columbus, and and other areas. It, It turns out your odds of securing funding for a new venture has a lot more to do with where you start your business than perhaps anything else. And that's certainly something for those with a business plan in hand to think about. But there are other important factors which make finding capital for a startup challenging. And here the statistics tell the full story. Last year, 90% of all venture capital went to men. So if you're a woman-led startup, your odds are only about 1 in 10 of getting venture backing. And if those odds don't sound very appealing, then consider the fact that only 1% of venture capital was placed with African-American-led startups. 1%. Now, before we go painting venture capitalists as sexist or racist or otherwise, let let me take a moment to point out that the number of women and African-American-led startups pursuing venture capital are significantly fewer than the submissions these firms receive from males of other races. But this fact doesn't alter the statistics or the odds of securing investment capital, which are much more favorable for non-African-American males in Silicon Valley, Boston, and New York. And not by a small margin, (laughs) by a 75% margin, by a 3 to 1 margin. 
Which begs the question, where does that leave the middle of the country, the Rust Belt, and the rest of us? In the last three decades, 30 million jobs have been created by fast-growing startups. They account for all of the net job creation in the United States. But here's something to think about. If that growth is only happening in three areas of the country, that would explain why the majority of the United States, much of which rallied for President Trump, by the way, have not seen employment opportunities or the economy improve where they live. That can very simply be explained by the geographic distribution of investment capital in startups and the fact that only certain areas of the country have come back from the recession. That said, there's absolutely no reason to believe that there are not viable business opportunities in other areas of our country, the middle parts of our country, the Rust Belt, Uh, cities that are starved for capital. And there's also no reason to believe that women or African-American founders are any less likely to succeed. Seven out of eight, uh, seven and eight out of 10 startups aren't going to make it. It's a a high-risk proposition to begin with. Fortunately, those that do succeed, like Uber, Twitter, Google, and so on, more than make up for the losses. So venture capitalists and other investors in startups, they do fine in the long run. The business model is a lot like baseball. You only need a few home runs to win the entire game. And once the game is won, well, nobody cares that much about how close it was, except for maybe a few statisticians. Now, three years ago, my guest today, Steve Case, the former co-founder and CEO of AOL, He started hitting the road in something he called the Rise of the Rest. It was a bus tour designed to shine a light on entrepreneurs across the entire country. According to Case, it's important to showcase new opportunities for investment in cities like Columbus and Detroit. The fact is, investors get a lot more bang for their buck by going to these areas. Capital investment in technology jobs of tomorrow can revive an economically depressed city. So it's a win-win. In the case of Pittsburgh, which Carnegie Mellon was responsible for attracting investment dollars to, uh, and and those dollars, in the case of Pittsburgh, went into self-driving vehicles and robotics. And we all know what a big market that has turned out to be. Today, Pittsburgh is seeing an economic resurgence thanks to investment in tech startups. It seems that wherever that investment capital goes, you can see a direct correlation to how that local economy does. But Case is doing a heck of a lot more than just talk about the importance of diversified capital investment. He's also founded the venture capital firm Revolution, which has invested $850 million dollars in hand-picked startups outside of the three main technology hubs. And when Case isn't on the road or guiding Revolution's investment, he's helping shape economic policy in Washington, D.C., right there on DuPont Circle. 
He's become a strong voice for the Startup Visa Program and an advocate for allowing foreign college students to remain in the U.S. when they have valuable and needed skills and they can find employment. Why should we let people get graduate degrees in physics and engineering and mathematics and, and uh, you know, in, in, in a variety of subjects which, which the nation could benefit from and then kick them out of the country? Doesn't make any sense. According to Case, the country that wins the battle for talent will have the upper hand in the global economy. And graduates who have the dedication and skill to help the U.S. economy Well, we should welcome them. In short, Steve Case, who incidentally is a a politically an independent, like your host, believes that greater diversity in investment capital makes for a stronger national economy. And he is tackling that problem on all fronts. He's touring the country to bring attention to investment opportunities in middle America and the Rust Belt. He's making investments through his company, Revolution, and he's helping to forge policy, which will allow startups access to the kind of talent and the funding that they need to succeed. In other words, Steve Case is on the vanguard of greater geographic and demographic business diversity. And, you know, it's hard to argue with that. I'll tell you, uh, we, there is a, a law in nature, and, uh, and most of you listening to the program know that I'm a sociobiologist by training, and that law cannot be violated. And the law is this, what anything that drives towards singularity is a drive toward extinction, which simply means that the greater the diversity, whether it's geographic whether it's the type of businesses that are invested in, right, and, or whether it's the type of founders and the way that they think or behave is good for endurance. Now, on that note, we have to pause to listen to some important announcements from the sponsors of today's program, but stay with us. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you're a fan of big ideas and thinking, then you're going to want to sink your teeth into On the Verge. Jim Lair, John Scully, Alan Dershowitz, and dozens of business and government leaders from the full political spectrum have given On the Verge their highest reviews. And you can help drive the book to the top of the bestseller list by ordering On the Verge from Amazon right now. Our goal is to distribute 25,000 copies before the official release date. By placing your order for On the Verge right now, you'll help us beat that number. We need every listener to go to Amazon.com and order On the Verge as quickly as you can. And while you're at Amazon, order first edition gift copies of On the Verge for friends and family because they won't last long. On the Verge, on sale now at Amazon.com. That's On the Verge at Amazon.com. When I say Italy, what comes to mind? Venice. Capri. Oh my gosh, Capri was marvelous. The views, the cliffside views, or traveling to Sorrento. Pirello tours. 
Oh, Perello Tours, for sure. Perello. Hi, I'm Steve Perello of Perello Tours. With over 70 years of tour experience to Italy, it's no wonder Perello Tours is synonymous with travel to Italy. I think of the culture. And to walk up to certain areas and touch a wall and think, well, this wall's like 3,000 years old. Being on a Perello Tour on our anniversary was better than anything I can remember ever on an anniversary. I personally approve every itinerary to ensure a stress-free, once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Salute! Call now for your free insider's guide to Perillo's Italy. Call in the next 30 minutes and qualify for a $100 gift card when you travel with us. Call 800-897-7176. 800-897-7176. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi, um, I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh-huh, okay. Well, we were building a bonfire, and I, I saw some, like, dry brush and leaves around, so, you know, I, I said to move the bonfire somewhere else, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear shows up and hugs me. So you noticed some wildfire hazards and moved your bonfire to a safer location. Yeah. Yeah, that's Smokey, all right. He likes it when people help prevent wildfires. It hits him close to home. Not everybody gets the hug, my friend. So that's pretty special to get a hug from Smokey Bear. So it was him. Guys, I told you it was Smokey. Okay, well, congratulations, my friend. And thanks for calling. There are many ways to prevent a wildfire. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service, Ad Council, and your state forester. I am done with my mattress. That's right. I'm not spending another night on this old bag. My new mattress comes today, and this thing is out of here. Bye-bye, mattress. Yep, bye-bye, mattress. So says you and about a thousand other people every day. And that's a lot of old mattresses with no place to go. There's the landfill, of course, where they just take up space. But what a waste. Because you could send it to a mattress recycler where old mattresses get broken down into steel, foam, wood, and fiber that become new steel, carpet padding, home insulation, garden mulch, biomass fuel, locomotive oil filters, and all kinds of other great stuff. So Bye Bye Mattress is right. But don't toss it. Recycle it. It's easy. And it's free. To find a mattress recycler in your area, visit ByeByeMattress.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former co-founder and CEO of AOL and renowned entrepreneur Steve Case, who, as I mentioned earlier, has been called the Washington Tech Whisperer because of the information and also the education that he's providing policymakers on what really and truly drives the U.S. economy, which it turns out is fast-growing innovative startups that is the key and what do those startups need well in addition to a viable business idea and a plan an actual written plan and a strong experienced team of founders and a talent pool well they need funding (laughs) you have to have capital to get liftoff but in the united states you have to be located in silicon valley 
the Boston area or New York to attract startup money because more than 75% of venture capital is placed in those three areas and only 10% of all venture funding is placed with women founders and about 1% with African-American founders. So if you're an African-American woman living in Cleveland, it doesn't matter if you have a business plan for the next internet Facebook or Uber, your chances of securing the funding you need from a venture capitalist are nil to none. And that is the number one fact that if you have a business plan and you're listening to this broadcast, you ought to be paying attention to. You know, it's easy to get obsessed by the idea that you have and and not really understand what the statistics are telling you. And you know, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know I'm all about the data. The data doesn't lie. And while those statistics seem daunting, uh, here's some good news that's on the horizon. And I don't want to be pessimistic because I want to encourage people to to get out there and think about forming their own startup or or uh, or joining up with others to build uh, more small businesses. That's better for the economy, and I want to encourage you. Not not only are investment companies like Steve Case's Revolution financing startups outside of the three tech hub areas, and again, his company is called Revolution. You you can go online and look it up, and uh, if you're a tech company that's looking for funding, definitely contact Steve Case's company. Uh, particularly if you're outside of the three areas where venture capitalists uh, typically fund. But but it, it, it's not just Steve Case's uh, company. The Internet is opening up the way in which startups all across America are being funded. And, and, and of course, I'm talking about crowdsourcing on sites like Kickstarter, GoFundMe, Indiegogo, and Kiva. In 2014... Kickstarter raised almost $450 million in funding for startups. And GoFundMe, which, as you know, is for personal as well as business funding, uh, has distributed over $3 billion, with a B, $3 billion since its inception. And not only is this kind of funding more geographically dispersed than where you see venture capital going, there are also some other benefits as well. The, the founders give much less of their company away out of the starting blocks And the capital is raised across so many people that the founders are not beholding to one primary debtor. And it translated, that means the founders remain in control of their company. Crowdsourcing is often a fast and easier and uh, actually more probable way to get funding uh, if you're outside of the three technology hub areas. And if you don't require a lot of money to get your idea off the ground. And if the founders of the startup have the experience needed to take a company from idea to fruition, which incidentally, in most cases, they don't, uh, then it's a good way to go. On the other hand, while much has been made about the negatives of venture capital funding, in my view, not enough has been made about the guidance and the mentoring that VC firms offer. Venture capitalists have seen it all. They know where all the mines in the minefield are. And since they have skin in the game, they're going to do everything and anything possible to help the companies they invest in succeed. Which is why very often, just prior to a public offering, the founding team 
is asked to take more specific roles in the company so VC investors can bring in professionals who have the knowledge and the experience to operate a larger, more mature organization. In my time in Silicon Valley, I saw this happen many times. The founding engineers were relegated to research and development, and a professional management team was brought in to run the business. And this didn't always sit well with the people whose idea and sweat was the very reason the company existed, but it was in the best interest of the company. And that is the only motive venture capitalists have. They'll do whatever's needed to grow the value of the asset that they've invested in. And it's just that plain and simple. One more thing. It takes a strong ego to venture out on your own and do a startup. And sometimes that ego is a good thing. And sometimes it can become the very reason a startup fails. Strength and passion are good things. They're critical if you want to beat the odds. But they also have the ability to cause business blindness. And this is where the experience of venture capitalists play an important role. In my view, there's a trade-off between the ease, freedom, and fairness of using crowdsourcing to capitalize a startup and the experience and much deeper pockets offered by today's venture capitalists. And it's, it's a smart person that draws a distinction between those two sources and knows the difference. That said, there is one thing Steve Case is right about, and that is that the methods for funding startups are opening up, and this will allow for more geographically and demographically distributed funding throughout the United States instead of the current concentration in just three locations. Once again, what is true for nature is also true for business. In nature, any drive towards singularity is a drive toward extinction. Which, again, means the more diversification, the more the stability and growth we'll see in the U.S. economy. Diversification, it turns out, is the antidote to instability. We all know that from our personal financial portfolios. We're not betting on one stock or two stocks, one or two bond portfolios. We spread it around. And why do we do that? Because a portfolio that's diverse and spread around through a lot of financial instruments is one that's more stable. In that regard, geographic diversity, demographic diversity in terms of startup investment is a good thing. It leads to growth. It leads to stability. It paves the way for a strong economy. And to this end, Steve Case has got a big mission in front of him but he's nailed it, and uh, and we want to support his work and and his company's work. Now, we have to take a short intermission. Uh, when we return, we'll be speaking to former AOL co-founder and CEO, Steve Case. Stay with us. You're listening to the Costa Report.
I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Scott, we keep hearing about the wines that are being developed in Monterey County. How would you describe the climate conditions for grapes? Monterey County has a lot of little pockets that give you the opportunity to grow a variety of grapes. It comes down to the match of location and climate with the varietal that you're going to grow. And where we grow in the Highlands, it's prototypical cool climate. We're even in the northern side of the Highlands. So that is ideal for both Pinot and Chardonnay. Chardonnay strives really well in a lot of our county, as well as Pinot, but I would say that this is the most optimal location. You get wind, you get sun exposure, the benches come off of the inland side of the coastal mountains. It's an optimal position. You can order any of our products directly from us by visiting our website, caracciolicellars.com, or calling the tasting room directly, 831-622-7722. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier. And it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Yeah, you, it's me, your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. 
back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and joining us now is the former CEO of AOL and the entrepreneur responsible for shedding light on the fact that the vast majority of venture capital funding occurs in just three locations in the country, Mr. Steve Case. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Case. Great to be with you, Rebecca. Now, before you joined us, I was pointing out that roughly 75% of venture capital goes to startups in Silicon Valley, the Boston area, and New York. But what I wasn't able to explain is why these investments are geographically concentrated. Would you, would you mind speaking to that? Sure. It's, it, and it's, it is sort of crazy because there are obviously great entrepreneurs all over the country. But just the way venture capital, which is a relatively recent phenomenon, just the last half century or so, developed in California and New York and, and, and Massachusetts, and then obviously the ecosystem around Silicon Valley, which has birthed a lot of great companies. It just led a lot of investors to, who are in those places just to focus on, on, on companies down the street, companies they can drive to and not necessarily spend the extra time to get on planes and fly to different parts of the country to see what's happening there. I think that's beginning to change, and that's part we're obviously trying to you know, push forward with this Rise of the Rest initiative. Is this a case where it's there's so much supply uh, of startups that need funding in those three areas that uh, they don't have to look elsewhere? There's some of that. There's certainly you hear that from some of the venture capitalists in places like Silicon Valley. There's so many entre- entrepreneurs doing things there. Why bother looking further? I think that that is beginning to change in part because the valuations in Silicon Valley have gotten bid up. The fact that all the investors are focusing on the same people in the same places means you know valuations are, are higher and valuations tend to be lower in these emerging rise of the rest uh, cities. Over time, as, as sort of this next wave, what I've called the third wave of the internet, really takes hold and it's really about disrupting, uh, innovating in sectors like healthcare and food and agriculture and things like that. I think some of the expertise necessary will be in the middle of the country and that will that if we can get the right capital to the right entrepreneurs in those places, I think will re- result in some real breakout successes in the middle of the country that might surprise some people on the coast. Along those lines, you've called Silicon Valley tone deaf to the needs of the rest of the country. And I, I spent most of my career working in Silicon Valley, so I have to agree with you on that point. The Valley's like one massive college campus and what occurs outside that campus barely exists. There's no other universe. So what do tech companies and venture capitalists need specifically to do to create a more inclusive innovation economy? Well, first of all, I should say I love Silicon Valley. and There's great things happening there that will that will continue. So when we talk about the rise of the rest and the rise of other cities, it's not anything negative about Silicon Valley. It's more something positive about the rest of the country. But I do think there, there, there's some in, in Silicon Valley that have been the tone deaf, haven't really understood the implications of some of the innovations, how while it might improve you know, people's lives in certain respects, you know, some new smartphone app, for example, it also can have a negative impact on people. And, and job destruction is, is, is one aspect of that. And so just understanding the broader implications of, of innovation, the broader implications of, of technology and being a little bit more empathetic in terms of you know, what some people around the country are dealing with, some of the struggles they're, they're having, I think is, is important. I also think it's important to start paying attention to the entrepreneurs in these other places, recognize they, are, they too are, are 
doing innovative things and building great companies. And that if you, you know, do back those entrepreneurs, it's not just a good thing to do because I think it helps create jobs and opportunity in these places. But it's also a smart thing to do because the valuations, as I said, are lower. And so when the companies are successful, you can actually even generate a greater return. So I think that that understanding, that awakening, if you will, is beginning to uh, emerge. And hopefully that will accelerate in the in the years to come. Well, let's talk about these new sources of funding, uh, like crowdfunding, like Kickstarter, for example. Won't we organically see more tech startups in places outside of the three major hubs? Yes, yeah, so that, that is a great example of that. The, the, the Kickstarter Indiegogo phenomenon around project crowdfunding, you know, pre-buying a product or, or you know, kind of a documentary or what it, what it might be, has, has been a game changer. Billions of dollars has flowed to these projects on these on these sites, and many of them then turn in, use that capital to not just launch a product, but to launch a company. And it does help level the playing field, which I think is, is important. We're now able to supplement that. You can, you know, there's the Jobs Act that passed five years ago by Congress, basically allows you to use the internet now to raise capital for your for your startup through equity crowdfunding or, or debt crowdfunding. I think that's important as well. So there are lots of different ways to try to create more momentum around these entrepreneurs in these other places. Even locally, there's the development of angel networks and accelerators in many of the cities that we've uh, visited. Those two are encouraging, but but ultimately most of the capital still is on the coast and we need to get more of the investors on the coast paying attention to what's happening in the, in the middle of the country. Now you've used Columbus, Ohio as an example of what happens when startup investment capital moves into new areas. Can you tell us about what's going on there to stimulate more innovation startups? Uh, a number of things. And actually our, our new partner at Revolution, a gentleman by the name of J.D. Vance, who wrote the book Hillbilly Elegy, grew up in Ohio, had some success, was in Silicon Valley as a venture capitalist, and just recently, a couple months ago, decided to move back to Columbus uh, and, and be part of kind of the, the, the startup ecosystem in, in, in Columbus. But there's good momentum there. There's a you know, very strong university there. There recently was a significant billion-dollar-plus kind of uh, successful acquisition, a company called you know, Cover My Meds. There's, a, there's a now a major venture capital firm, Drive Capital, based there. There's a lot of momentum around smart cities, partly because Columbus won a, a big smart cities challenge. I think it was a $50 million you know, federal grant uh, that can actually end up flexing up to as much as $500 million with, with local and private matching. So Columbus is now one of the kind of the interesting places to watch in terms of smart cities. There's also a lot of history in Columbus and retailing and other sectors. There's been a lot of innovation there. So it's a perfect example of a rise to rest city. Most people don't know, you know what's happening in Columbus, but if they actually visit, I think they will be surprised by the level of economic development and, and how there's now a burgeoning startup community. We just want to do that or see that happen in dozens of cities all over the country, uh, and hopefully that will happen over the coming decade. Well, they certainly have presented an excellent model of the principles that that you talk about, which is uh, the importance of these these Rust Belt or Middle American cities attracting uh, startup capital. Uh, um, You also consider Pittsburgh to be an example of a city which, thanks to investments in technology companies by Carnegie Mellon, has gone through a resurgence. Yeah, it's a great example because Pittsburgh sort of powered the whole industrial revolution a century ago was the steel city and and used to, you know, making things and, and had a very bright future. And then and then, you know, struggled and, and half a century ago was was having some real challenges. Now it's, you know, roaring back and, and it's one of the 
hotbeds of innovation around robotics technology, and partly because Carnegie Mellon is so strong. There are even companies like Google now have a large presence in Pittsburgh. Uber, much of their self-driving car you know, innovation is happening in, in, in Pittsburgh. And it is an example, but it's also important to note the the arc of, of what has happened over the past you know, few decades. A, a city like Pittsburgh a couple of decades ago had a huge brain drain that people grew up there or went to school at Carnegie Mellon and other places often left to go to the coast because they didn't really see the opportunity if they stayed in Pittsburgh or Columbus or Des Moines or Madison or other other cities in the middle of the country. That is beginning to change. There are now more people who are graduating from Carnegie Mellon, for example, who are staying in, in Pittsburgh. They think it's a great city and there's great opportunity there. And we're also seeing the beginnings of, of sort of a boomerang of talent, the people who left because they didn't think there was opportunity where they were living are now beginning to go back. And they're, you know, they want to do that often for personal reasons. They want to raise their families there. Uh, sometimes for financial reasons, the cost of living is, is much lower there. Sometimes also they just want to be part of the renaissance of the city. I remember meeting an entrepreneur in Detroit about three years ago uh, who won our pitch competition, our Rise of the Rest pitch competition. He just moved his company from San Francisco to Detroit. Uh, because he, he did understand there was a cost of living difference. He did have some family ties and wanted to go back, but he also wanted to be part of the of the resurgence, the renaissance of, of, of Detroit. I'm, I'm seeing that more and more. I'm hearing those stories more and more. I think it bodes well for the for this rise of the rest phenomenon. Well, you were certainly preaching to the choir here, sir. I recently moved my headquarters from the heart of Silicon Valley to Astoria, Oregon. <laughs> so so I know exactly what you're talking about, about a lower cost of living and uh, choosing a, a, an easier and, and simpler lifestyle. We have to take a short break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Steve Case. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.